This morning I want to talk about tension. Does anybody know anything about tension? <laughs> I thought that this would be a relative message today. Um, by the way, y'all, how y'all liking the new look here? You know what somebody told me this morning? Somebody came up and told me I look casket sharp. <laughs> I said, man, that's just wrong right there. <clears throat> I guess that's a compliment. I don't know. There, is, uh, there is the Jesus who is offensive and the Jesus who attracts. And there's a tension. There's a tension before you become a believer because there's something in you that attracts you to Jesus but then when you begin to study him and some of the things he said, it is against our human nature. It's against, our, um, it's against the world system and the way the world views things. And we're talking about Pilate. We um, celebrated Easter a couple Sundays ago and what a great Easter weekend it was for our church. And we just thank the Lord for all the people who came to Christ and the lives that were changed. But last week we started a series on a character from the Easter story, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. He was the governor and therefore was the judge, the decider over what would happen to Jesus. As a matter of fact, he asked that question that is the most important question anyone will ever ask the most important question anybody will ever answer, and everybody will answer it, what am I going to do with Jesus? That is the most important question you will ever face as a human being. What am I going to do with Jesus? What is my decision? What decision will I make as it relates to Jesus and his place in my life? Nothing is more important than that. And Pilate was caught in that tension. There was something about Jesus that attracted Pilate, but there was also something about Jesus that offended Pilate. We, we encounter that same Jesus every day. Let's talk about the offensive Jesus. Now, I'm going to say some things to you that offend now, they may not offend you because you may be at a place in your life spiritually in your walk with God where, where they don't offend you anymore. Maybe they did at one time, but they don't anymore because you have accepted Christ into your life and you have grown to a place in your walk with God that these things aren't offensive anymore. But I'm telling you that in the world generally, the things that I'm about to point out that Jesus said and Jesus taught us are offensive. Number one... Jesus said, put the needs of other people before your own. How many of you know that goes against the grain? That goes against the grain. It's offensive. Now, we may not admit that it's offensive. We may not say that it's offensive. But deep in us, there is something about that statement that rubs us the wrong way. I see it every day. Not only do I see it every day, I feel it in my own life every day. Others first. Really? Others first? When the world says, you better take care of yourself. 
Because if you don't look after yourself, nobody else is going to look after you. So, so there's that tension. There's what Jesus said and what the world says. Here's another one that offends. I'm the only way to heaven. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. I got to tell you, man, people really don't like that one. The world really doesn't like that. They don't mind Jesus saying, I'm one of the ways, but they can't stand. I mean, the hair stands up on the back of their neck like a pit bull when Jesus says, I'm the only way. I mean, I sense it even when I'm preaching. I, I sense this, this, you know, feeling among some who may say, really? The only way. So that makes you, you remember the video last week where everybody was saying on the street, they were interviewing people on the street and they were saying, well, who am I to say? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't say it. He said it. So it's not me saying it, it's Jesus saying it. And it's offensive. It's offensive. The world doesn't like it. Here's what they really don't like because they kept saying that in the video last week too. I'm a good person. When you say I'm a good person and you attach that to being ready to go to heaven, here's what you're saying. You're saying, Jesus, that's fine, and I'll, and I'll you know, tip my hat to Jesus, and I'll embrace Jesus, but it's Jesus plus works, Jesus plus my goodness that gets me to heaven. No, it isn't. It's Jesus plus nothing, only Jesus. So it's offensive when he says I'm the only way. Here's another one that gets people. Forgive those who hate you and despitefully use you and abuse you. That goes against the grain, doesn't it? Here's one. Here's one the world just loves. And I got to tell you, there was a time in my ministry, I've been in the ministry over 30 years now, and there was a time in my ministry when this right here was not even an issue, but now it is an issue in the modern church. And I run into it, and I butt heads with it. But Jesus taught us no matter what the world says, you're not to have physical, sexual relations with anybody you're not married to. Don't y'all leave me up here by myself. <laughs> Amen. Do we believe that still? Do we understand that if you sleep with somebody you're not married to, you're fornicating all over the place? Can we still preach that? Man, I thought this church was cool, man. We are cool, but we're cool Bible believers. Amen, amen? Now, now, Jesus didn't put that in there to deprive you of pleasure. Jesus put that in there to protect you. Because he loves you. I'm telling you, we're living in a day when, when people think, well, we'll just live together a couple years before we get married, you know. Where's it in the Bible? I can't do that. I hope you would come to me and ask me that question. I'd love to have that Bible lesson with you. Fornication's still a sin. Amen. I'm going to stop preaching now. Don't you? Here, here's another one. People just love this one. If a man slaps you, don't retaliate. Turn your cheek so he can slap you on the other side of your face. <laughs> One guy told me, he said, you know, Jesus said turn the cheek. He didn't say what to do after that. <laughs> Boom. 
Boy, here's one I'll probably get quiet in here. Jesus says just because the pregnancy is an inconvenience, you can't just kill the baby. Thank you so much for that amen. We still believe that here. Now, if you've had an abortion, the Lord will forgive you and wash that out of your life, and to him it'll be like you never did it. Do you hear me? Now, we're not preaching, we're not preaching um, that, that you can't come out of sin. You can come out of sin, but we got to understand what sin is and, and that it separates us from God. Listen to me. It separates you from the blessing of God and the hand of God on your life. And so that's why we preach and why we teach the things that we do. He taught, talked about loving your neighbor as yourself. These things were offensive. But then there's that unmistakable attraction to Jesus. There is that supernatural, this is important, magnetism that draws, listen, every person to Jesus. Have you ever noticed even when people curse, they don't use anybody's name except whose? Our God, Jesus. You know, Tiger says he's a Buddhist now. Well, when he missed that shot on, and that drive went into the woods on the sixth hole, he did not say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> I mean, if that's your God and you want to do some real cussing, man, use your God. <laughs> no, he reached in there and got my God. That will preach right there. I wonder if we can say old Buddha and get away with it. No, just... Buddha. <clears throat> I can do a series, cussing in the will of God. <laughs> There's some people brought visitors with them today, and those visitors just said, one more time, and I'm leaving. I'm telling you right now, she says, well, I'm going to leave. I'm gone. I ain't standing here and hear that stuff. We're just getting started. <clears throat> but there's this unmistakable attraction to Jesus. There's the Jesus who attracts. Let, let, let me just say something to you. This is the greatest advantage you have as a Christian when you are witnessing to somebody because God has already put in them a desire to know him. Every person you talk to, I want you to think right now of the meanest person you know. And don't point at anybody. <laughs> but just really seriously, think about the meanest person you know. Can I tell you that there is a desire in that person to be right with God? There, there is a desire in every human being to be in fellowship and to be right with God. I promise you that. So there is that attraction. There is an emptiness in every human and that emptiness in every human, they are aware of it and that can only be satisfied through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a thirst in every man 
There is a thirst in every woman. There is a thirst in every teenager. There is a hunger in every man. There is a hunger in every woman. There is a hunger in every teenager. And it can only be satisfied by personal relationship with Christ. And you may be running from him this morning. And hey, I've been there. We've all run from him, haven't we? We've all been Jonah. Man on the run, woman on the run. We've all run from what we knew God wanted us to do and what God's will is for our life. And you can run all you want to, but here's what you're going to end up doing. You're still thirsty. You won't accept him, you won't run to him, but you're still thirsty and you're still starving and you're still hungry. So you keep dipping your bucket into the wells of the world and every one of them are dry. And so you go to the cupboard where the world says food is here, food is here, food is here that will satisfy. And so you try to eat their food, but you're still hungry. It's like cereal. You can starve to death eating cornflakes, I'm telling you right now. Starve to death while you're eating them. I'm trying to watch my weight. Mitty goes, why don't you have, just have some cereal? Just have some cereal. Get thee behind me, woman. I hear the peanut butter calling me. Amen. Who, who hears the peanut butter about 1030 at night? You just hear the peanut butter. I'm here if you need me. I'm here. So there's this tension between the Jesus who offends and the Jesus who attracts. And this tension defines the life of Pilate. I'm telling you, man, Jesus was the most uncomfortable event in Pilate's life ever. And he is going to be the most uncomfortable event in your life until you stop resisting him and yield to him. He had privileges. Remember we talked about those? God gave him privileges. And the privileges that God gave him were the voices that spoke to him. You remember the four voices that spoke to Pilate? And the same four voices that spoke to Pilate are the same four voices that speak to us. The voice of conscience. The voice of common sense. You remember Pilate's wife came to him? So the voice of a concerned loved one. And then Jesus talked to Pilate, the voice of Christ. The same voices that spoke to Pilate. Listen to me, God was trying to get Pilate to make the right decision about Jesus. So God was speaking to Pilate in many ways. Listen, listen. God wants you to make the right decision about Jesus. It is not his will that any of you sitting here this morning should perish, but that all of you should come to a knowledge of Christ. And so he speaks and he speaks. And right now he's speaking through your pastor, but earlier he spoke through the music. He'll speak through drama. He'll speak through dance he'll speak through a friend and he will speak to you in the night with his own voice and you will hear him man he wants you to make the right decision listen to me hidden against you he's for you but he's not going to make you love him he's not going to make you serve him he's not going to make you give him the priority in your life he deserves which is first place but he's going to try to get you to do that. He's going to try. He was trying to reach Pilate. But see, the same privileges Pilate had are the same privileges we had, but this morning we want to talk real quickly about the pressures. Because the same pressures 
that Pilate battled with are the same pressures we battle with. Let's look at them. First of all, the pressure of popularity or public opinion. That was a pressure that was saying to Pilate, don't, don't you go the Jesus way. You won't be popular. You will lose some friends. You will lose some very important friends if you go with Jesus. Look what it says in Mark 15, 15. And as Pilate wanted to satisfy the crowd, Pilate wanted to satisfy the crowd, he set Barabbas free for them. And then after having Jesus flogged, that means beaten, handed him over to be crucified. Why did Pilate let Barabbas go? Why did Pilate turn Jesus over to be whipped and to be crucified on a cross? I'll tell you why. Because he felt the pressure of public opinion. He felt the pressure of popularity. And I'm saying to you this morning that that is a pressure you face every day of your life. Are you going to please the crowd or are you going to please Christ? The religion of our modern age is conformity. We're all born originals, but we die copies of something. That's an important principle for you to grab this morning. We're all born originals, but all of us die copies of something. People today are obsessed with the crowd. They're obsessed with what Hollywood is doing and what culture around them is doing and, and all of that. You remember the hippies? Anybody remember the hippies? How many, we got any ex-hippies here with us this morning? Grateful Dead fans. I mean, that'll tell you something. Grateful Dead, really? Seriously? Hippies. They were the nonconformists. Remember what the hippies said? Dude, man, we're not, I'm not like anybody, man. The world, the government, man, they're not going to make me be wearing my tie and suit. And they're not, I'm not conforming, man. And then all the hippies looked exactly the same. <laughs> Didn't they? They all had the same hair, the same cars, vans. <laughs> they all had the same clothes. They all spoke the same language and listened to the same music. I'm different, man. And then they all went to Woodstock, and you couldn't tell one from the other. I love what Vance Havner said. He said, they sound like Tarzan, look like Jane, and smell like Cheetah, every one of them. <laughs> I got to tell you all my little hippie story. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but it's so funny, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Last year, Millie and I and uh, Mitch went to San Francisco for a conference. And uh, I wanted to go to Haight-Ashbury and see where the hippie movement was born, the flower child thing was born. So we went down there and found it. Bizarro world, I'm telling you. And... Uh, and, uh, but there was a Ben and Jerry, so I got me some ice cream. That was the highlight of the trip right there. Um, but we went in a t-shirt store on the corner of Haight and Ashbury. Right on the corner, a t-shirt store. And so we went in, and we were talking to this uh, little girl. She was very sweet. And, um, she was uh, showing us different t-shirts. And uh, I said, we're not from around here. 
I actually thought I was on another planet. But, and I said, uh, I said, can you tell? She said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, um, she said, where are you guys from? I said, we're from uh, North Carolina. I said, but we're probably, you've probably never heard of it. I said, we're from Goldsboro, North Carolina. She said, I don't, I've never been to Goldsboro, but I've been to Dudley. I'm in San Francisco on the corner of Haight-Ashbury, and I met a girl that's been to Dudley. <laughs> about passed out. <laughs> and then I said, didn't you mean Dudley? Yes. <clears throat> so we got to choose. We got to make up our mind. The Bible says in Romans 12, um, Verse 2, and you know this, I read Romans 12, 1 and 2 all the time. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Here's what I'm preaching to you this morning. To be a successful Christian, to stand up and do right in this world, to make the right decision about Jesus and then walk it out is going to require some nerve. It's going to require some steel and courage and character. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, listen to this. Enter by the narrow gate. Jesus is telling us you need to choose the narrow gate. Why? Because not too many people go through the narrow gate. He said, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads where? Can I tell you all something? The crowd is wrong. You can follow the crowd if you want to follow the crowd, but the crowd's always wrong. I'm telling you. Look what Jesus said. Enter by the narrow gate. And doesn't that fit us perfectly? I mean, most of the world would sit here this morning listen to me preach, and they go, what narrow-minded fools they are. Jesus said, enter the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. If you wanted to really put the graphic language there, he meant eternal hell. Let's don't mess around here. That's what he meant. And there, and there are how, what does it say? There are what? Many, the crowd, who go in by it because narrow is the gate. And I'm so glad he put this in there. Difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Now don't, Misunderstand me. I'm not preaching to you that being a Christian is just a hard life of drudgery. And, uh, you know, you got to walk down, beat down, burden down, bog down all the time because you're a Christian. But I will tell you this. When you decide to follow Jesus, you just turned. Because that's what repentance is. Repentance means about face. Conversion from following sin, Satan, and self to following Jesus requires a um, 180. Turn around and go the other way. Now, when you're following sin, self, and Satan, you're going with the current, so it's easier. That's why the way is wide. That's why there's so many on that road, because it's easier to just flow. I mean, any old dead salmon can flow downstream. But it takes nerve steel. It takes steel 
for your back where you've had a cotton string, you've got to put steel in that backbone, and you've got to turn around and go against the current. The current in this world is not going toward God. The current in this world is going toward destruction. Right there it is in the Bible. So when you decide to follow Jesus... You're going against the current. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know what? That's true. But it sure is a lot easier to gather here a few times a week with people who love Jesus so we can help each other fight the current. Amen, amen. When you're in a small group, you're, you're in a group that's going to help you fight the current. When you're involved in church, you're going to be a part of, some, uh, of an organization that's going to help you fight the current. And occasionally, we lose one that gets caught up in the current. And we reach out and we do all we can, but they're determined to just go with the flow. It's like Paul said. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Once in a while, we lose somebody. But guys, let's help each other go against the current. And the people said... So Pilate was pressured by the crowd. You know what? It doesn't matter who you do please if you don't please God. And it doesn't matter who you don't please if you do please God. Don't worry about the crowd. I love what Peter and John said when they were arrested for healing the lame man. I preached on that a few weeks ago. The Bible says, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? It's like Peter and John are going, give me a break. After all, Jesus has done for us. Look what it says. We cannot stop telling about the wonderful things we've seen and heard. We're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what God says. We're not going to follow the crowd. The second pressure. The second pressure was the pressure of position. Listen, Pilate had a soft job, man. Paid a lot of good money. He didn't want to lose his job. He didn't want to lose his job. He loved his position. He loved that gavel that he fondled in his hand that he would wrap on that, on that uh, stand. And he loved that robe that only the governor and the judge, he loved his position, man. Look what it says in John 19, 12. From that moment, Pilate tried hard to set him free. Isn't that something? Pilate really wanted to do the right thing. He really wanted to set Jesus free, but the Jews were shouting something. Here's what the Jews were shouting. If you set this Jesus free, you are no friend of Caesar. Whew. Man, when they said that, boy, Pilate shuddered. See, Caesar was the Roman emperor, and back in that day, if you were in political position under Caesar's authority, you were to go around the uh, city of Rome, you were to go around that city shouting, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is Lord. Well, the Christians would go around shouting what? Jesus is Lord. And Pilate knew that if he released this innocent man who had multitudes of people following him saying, Jesus is Lord, then it would appear that he was taking sides with a king who was not Caesar. Pilate knew that if he took sides with another king and it got back to Caesar, that he had released a man who was claiming to be some sort of king, then Pilate knew he might lose his position, might lose his job. 
probably crossed his mind that he might lose his head. Here's what one writer said about Pilate. Ask this about yourself. What buttered his bread determined his conduct. What buttered his bread determined his conduct. Pilate had the heart of a materialist. Things were more important to Pilate than God. Position with Caesar was more important to Pilate than peace with Christ. The pressure of popularity, the pressure of position, and then finally, number three, the pressure of pride. Pride. Do you all know that at the root of every sin is pride? If you're being unfaithful to your spouse right now, it's pride. If you are mistreating someone, it is pride. If you are stealing, it is pride. If you are lying, it is pride. If you are hiding somewhere to look at porn, pride is making you do that. Pride is at the root of every sin, even gossip. And I know you're out there going, man, I had it till he said gossip. Now he got me on that one. Pride. Pride is the foundation of every sin. Don't forget it. That ought to help you pray better. So you come before God and go, God, deal with the pride in my life. Because if God, if you allow God to work in your life spiritually and through his word, if you allow him to work in, the, in that area of your life, then that is going to deal with every area of disobedience in your life because every area of disobedience in your life comes out of that pride. So let that be a lesson as it relates to how we pray. Number three, he had the pressure of pride. Look at John 19. 8 through 10, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. So Pilate is afraid. Pilate is fearful right here. And what happens when we get scared? We get, uh, we get uh, angry. We, get, uh, we kind of bow up, you know, stick our chest out and say, I'm, I'm not putting up. It usually fears behind that. So the Bible says he went back inside the palace and asked Jesus, where do you come from? So this time, you remember there was a time when Pilate asked Jesus questions like last week and Jesus answered. Y'all remember that? Pilate was real humble and really wanted to know and he was sincere and as long as a person's humble and sincere and they want to know, Jesus said, I will speak to them. I'll speak to them. It's right there. It's a promise in the word of God. But now Pilate goes, where do you come from? But Jesus picked up and knew and discerned that arrogance, that pride in Pilate and the Bible says Jesus did not answer him. Pilate said, you refuse to speak to me. You refuse to speak to me. I can just see the buttons about to pop off his vest. Don't you know that I have the power to set you free? I know Jesus just wanted to laugh right there. I mean, Jesus could have went, <laughs> dust. Somebody sweep him up, you know? I mean, really. <laughs> Here's Pilate now. Standing before the person who created him. Saying, don't you know I have power? <laughs> Give me a break. Don't you know I have power to set you free and power to have you crucified? Jesus again would not answer him. And the time for Pilate to get answers was gone. 
There was a time when Pilate could have gotten some answers. There was a time when Pilate would be given the truth. As a matter of fact, Pilate was given the truth, but he wouldn't act on it. Listen, you can hear the truth, hear sermons, hear songs, see dramas. You, you can, you can, the word of God can be given and given and given. You can see the truth, hear the truth, read the truth, listen to the truth. But I'm telling you something. If you haven't acted on the truth, you're lost in this house of God today. You need a savior. It isn't enough to know the truth. It isn't enough to, to volunteer in a church that preaches the truth. It isn't enough to, to join a church that preaches the truth. You personally, individually have to act on the truth that has been declared unto you. Until you act on that truth and believe and receive, you're lost, my friend. And I tell you this, not to be mean or narrow-minded, but I tell you this because I love you. And on the last day, when you stand before God, I don't want you standing there looking at God going, but my pastor watered it down. I didn't know that was what I had to do. My pastor, in an, in an effort not to offend anybody in the congregation, just kept watering it down and watering it down. And I didn't know I had to make a commitment that deep to you, Lord Jesus. I'm not going to let you stand there and say that. So I'm going to give it to you straight up. Is that okay? <clears throat> Look what Jesus does say back to Pilate. John 19, 11, Jesus said, the only power you have over me is the power given you by God. Boy, I don't know what Pilate did, but I would have went, I mean, I would have just, I would have just quivered. I mean, here's a man stuffed full of his own importance, saturated in pride. He doesn't want to humble himself before Jesus. Listen, he's asking Jesus to humble himself. What? But before we get too holy, we need to remember pride is our biggest problem too. See, we can't get too holy on Pilate here because it's our biggest problem too, guys. Mine, mine, your pastor. It's pride. God tells you to humbly kneel in the altar. God tells you to humbly come and, and pray. We, we offer altar time during our worship. We offer altar time at the end. And, and, and maybe you felt God kind of nudge you and go, I want you to go up there and I want you to let them pray for you. And, and maybe about the time you start to come, you hear that little voice that goes, don't make a fool of yourself now. Don't make a fool of yourself. I mean, you got friends here and your family and they're ready to go and keep yourself dignity now. You want to have some dignity. If you go up there, man, you're going to lose all your dignity. You go down there and let them pray for you and people are going to go, well, you know, what's his problem? What's his problem? He's got a problem. He went down and talked to the pastor today. He's got a problem. What are people going to think? See, a lot of people would rather be dignified than justified. Let me give you some scriptures on pride and we're done. And I'm not putting these on the screen, so just jot these down so you can look at them when you get home. Proverbs 11:2. when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Isaiah 28, 1, woe to the crown of pride. Jeremiah 13, 15, hear ye and give ear, be not proud, for the Lord hath spoken.
Let's pray. Father, we understand this morning that the voices that Pilate heard are voices we hear. Conscience and common sense, concerned loved ones, Christ himself. Pilate's uh, voices that he heard are are the voices we hear that try to get us to make the right decision. You spoke to Pilate to get him to make the right decision about Jesus, and and you're speaking to people right here this morning in this place to make the right decision about Jesus. But then there are pressures, God. Yes, we have the voices pulling us us toward Jesus, but we have the pressures pulling us away, the pressure of, of popularity and the pressure of position, the pressure of pride. So God, we're in attention this morning. There's a pulling on both sides. Help us. Help us, oh God. Make the right decision about your son. I'm going to help you make that right decision this morning. You say, Pastor, I want to make the right decision. What do I need to do? Just pray this prayer with me. Will everybody just pray this prayer out loud? And let's make the right decision about Jesus today. Dear God. Thank you for giving your son. And dear Jesus, thank you for obeying your father. Coming to this world, dying on the cross in my place. Rising from the dead. Dear Jesus, risen from the dead, I give you my life. Take me, Lord. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart. I open the door of my life and receive you into me that you might cleanse me and give me power to live right. Father, thank you for those who have prayed today and invited you into their heart. Give them courage now for this final testimony. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you did not know where you were with God when you walked in, but now you know things are right and you've made the right decision concerning Jesus this morning, will you just slip your hand up and right back down? God bless you. God bless you. Now everybody look at me. Can we praise God for these today? Now listen. If you raised your hand and you'd like to have some literature that will help you get going in your walk with God, Pastor Andy is going to be up here uh, to give that to you and pray with you. I'll be up here at the front. Listen, uh, first-time guest, we have a gift for you right back there, so make sure you pick it up uh, before you leave. We're so glad you guys came today. God bless you, and you're dismissed.